Donovan Smallwood uses the camera as a means of exploring humankind. Through intimate images that transcend surface, he cultivates a deeper sense of consciousness. In his latest work, Langer, an ode to New York City Central Park, he accentuates the beauty and stillness of nature, as well as capturing some powerful encounters with strangers. With the pandemic and the history of Seneca Village in mind, the project explores hidden histories and how they impact our sense of belonging. The work is an examination of ideas about nature, home, tranquility and escape. Despite being a relatively emerging talent, Donovan has cultivated his own visual language, one that is rooted in community and a connection with the divine. The open-ended quality of an image makes it kind of divine, and when people come in contact with that kind of thing, they can be changed forever. I'm Jem Fletcher, and this is The Messy Truth, Conversations on Photography. Donovan Smallwood received his BA from Hunter College. He is the recipient of numerous awards, including the 2021 Aperture Portfolio Prize and the 2021 Daylight Photo Award. His work has been exhibited internationally and he has shot for The Atlantic, The Financial Times magazine, The New York Times, The New Yorker and more. Langer, his first monograph, is set to be released by Trespasser this November. Donovan lives and works in New York. I was born and raised in New York City, specifically in Harlem. And I don't know, I feel like people have this really romantic idea of New York City. Well, of course people do. But for me, just growing up here, it was pretty sheltered and not not too immersive. Like I lived pretty isolated. Like I stayed in my neighborhood. I didn't really take the train as a child and go places. It was just either hanging out like around my apartment complex or I was just hanging out with friends. We didn't really do much or I would be inside playing computer games. Like I didn't have this kids movie, this New York City experience. My whole thing growing up was I was interested in uh, paleontology and archaeology. So I would just stay home and like do fake digs and read National Geographic magazine and just play computer games about dinosaurs. Like I wasn't really interested in city life and doing that kind of thing, you know? That's so awesome. How did you get into paleontology? I honestly have no idea. Like that was, that's just the first thing I can think of when I think back to what I want to be as a child when I grew up. And I was like, oh, just paleontology, that was it. You trained in documentary film and English literature. And I wondered if you think about those disciplines like intersecting with your photography now. Um, yeah, for sure. Especially with um, English literature, because I feel like photography has a lot to do with communication. And I think that language is kind of what human nature is and when I think of language I think of poetry I think of art I think of photography I think of imagery and how we communicate so I think me studying English and working in uh, literature I read or philosophy I read really informs the work that I'm doing and the work that I want to do. I was actually curious to ask you if you were interested in poetry because that particular discipline feels very, it feels like it has a kinship with your photography. There's yeah. a rhythm to your work. There's a, there's like this focused stillness where it actually has a huge impact, but very quietly. And yeah, it feels very much in dialogue with poetry. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of what I'm going for whenever I make a project is for it to be poetic in a sense 
like this last project, Langer was kind of, in a sense, it was about the daily nothingness that becomes poetic when it's photographed. And that's what I feel is art. I'm always fascinated of the moment when photographers and artists realize that the world they occupy, like your individual experience or community or something around you could be art yeah, and not just yeah. the everyday. Did you have a turning point where where that sort of came together for you? Um, I think, honestly, that probably came just from studying literature again, just reading certain philosophers and like I would read Kierkegaard, I would read Haman and it's just, you would get this sense that paradise or like just the goodness and everything is everywhere. And the only reason you can't see it is because you're preoccupied with I would, well, what they would consider as hell. Mm-hmm. So anything that keeps you from seeing the good and everything is from hell, from what they would say. So that's kind of how I decided to take on my life in a way. One of the things I really love about I've loved about you from a distance is the way that you talk about photography as this collective project. Yeah. This sort of tradition of all photographers building upon the medium through time and space. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I feel like that was something I was missing when I first started photography because I didn't really, I didn't study it. So I would just go at it as like, oh yeah, I'm just taking pictures and I'm just doing whatever. But this last year, the, the big, the big COVID year, I got to sit out and just go over things that I miss just in the tradition of photography. And as you go through, you realize that people are communicating with one another, all these photographers with their projects and their work. And I feel like that's what happens a lot with, again, a parallel with literature is a lot of writers throughout history have been communicating and bouncing off of each other and each other's work. And it's always a reference to another person's work, another person's art. And that's kind of how I feel photography is that there's a, who would I think of? Uh, like Susan Lipper, for example, her work, it, she has that recent project that I can't remember the name of it, but it's a lot of landscape images and it's like in the, in the West. And I feel like a lot of male photographers have done that kind of work, but this is her take on it. And as being a woman and being in these, high temperature areas and being with these people it's just these her images are communicating with their images and it's just you know it's a collective work it's all one thing is it domesticated land that you're thinking of yes that's exactly yeah yeah it's such powerful work that project yeah i love that work so let's talk about langer which is your project that you shot in 2020 which has been published this year by Trespasser. It's an amazing, beautiful photo book. And it's Thank about, you. yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it's this series of encounters with strangers and nature in Central Park that explores notions of escape and home and tranquility on one level, but there's so much more to it. And mm-hmm. I remember you saying in a talk that, you know, the, this work began as you escaping the pressure cooker of 2020. And yeah, I wondered if yeah. you could, kind of take us back to that emotional state and how you were feeling then and how this work emerged from those feelings yeah so at the time when I was making the work there was just so much going on it was COVID for one then it was right on the heels of George Floyd it was just not not even I wouldn't say riots but well I guess there would be riots in New York City people were destroying things it was it was a mess so I decided just to stop paying attention to it (laughs) And I just 
I would just leave and go to the park and just try to find solace, leave my phone home. Don't look at the news. Like I changed my Twitter trending location to Japan just to make sure I wouldn't see anything that was happening. <laughs> and That's smart. yeah. And I just, every day I would just go for super long walks. And eventually I started bringing my camera and I started trying to make images that were what we see in Langer. It was inspired by, in part, this fascinating short documentary called The Lost Neighborhood Under Central Park, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is this amazing film about Seneca Village, which was a predominantly black community who lived on the land, a part of the land in which Central mm-hmm. Park was built. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the film and how that history sort of manifests for you in the work. Yeah, so being from um, New York City, there's all, there's so much about the city and how things came to be that I just never heard about or just never knew about. And that was one of them where I spent so much of my life just going to Central Park with friends or just hanging out or just going for a little run or a walk. And then just randomly, I come across this documentary and it's like, wow, this is something that I, I never even knew about. And it seems so vitally important to this part of the city. And it just made me start thinking about what it means to be, let's have your, have a home and to have it reverted into nature. Because when I think of a home, I think of cultivating nature and you're doing what you can to make a civilization and to have that reverted and to be a a people that you have just your civilization and your humanity stripped from you. It was just such a, a strong feeling for me. And it really contributed to me looking for people to photograph and me looking around the area and just, just all those feelings were inside of me while I was walking around making the work. It's so fascinating on multiple levels, the film, which I'll put in the show notes so people can watch it. My brother lived in in New York for a decade and it was one of those central park, obviously for everybody, it becomes this very central point to your life, whether you're a visitor or you're a local. But I always naively assumed that that land was just sort of desolate land before it became the park. Like (laughs) it just, you would never think about, you know, communities living there and thriving there. It's so wild. So the work obviously sits within this, it's set within the park, but it's so much more than just being about the park. It feels like it's it's almost like a love letter, but also mm-hmm. there's like a profound tension there, like based yeah, on, you know, yeah. some of the issues you just talked about, but also some of the contemporary issues like you said, in which the well, the work was made, thinking about George Floyd and, you know, protests of massive racial injustice. Tension obviously isn't the first read in the work though as, as well, because it does have that poetry to it. It has this calmness. It has such beauty in the landscapes and in the portraits. Uh, I wondered if tension for you is like a, a key theme in that work, or if that's just like one of my reads into it, if that makes sense. I think it was when I was making the work and I was going out, I was, I felt the tension myself and the first edit of the project, it was way, way stronger. There was more stark black and white images and it was more, more heavy of a contrast. And then I kind of felt like I was I wasn't being true to myself because even though I have these feelings and like this duality between the park, there was still such a massive love I had and respect for the park because it's, I grew up here. I grew up, this is like my solace. Mm. So even with this tension, I felt like maybe I was mentally overplaying it. And I started to just 
try to relax myself and go out and be true to how I really felt about the space. I'm curious to hear a bit more about the encounters that you had with the people that you photographed, because they're so introspective and poetic, a word that I feel like I'm going to use over and over again today. (laughs) But your work really feels like such an intimate connection with these strangers. I wondered, you know, what your process was of like warming them up and sort of getting them into that right zone so you could make the pictures that you wanted to make. See, look, people ask me this and then I really don't have too great of an answer. It's just, if I would see someone that I think like, oh, I would love to photograph them for this, or I'm like, this person sitting here, they look great how they are. I would just either walk up and then try to explain like, hey, I'm a photographer. I'm kind of working on a project about the park and I would love to photograph you. And then pretty much everyone said yes. And then I just set up my tripod and my camera and then just said, okay, stand right here and just do what you were doing. Just relax. And then that's it. It wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't like there was a period where I was trying to relax them or talking to them a certain way. I just photographed them as they were and how they opened up to me. I mean, you're a very calming person to (laughs) be around. Maybe that's it. (laughs) One thing that I I also wanted to talk about, because I think the portraiture in this project has been like the headliner when you read Mm. about it. And it's a lot about what people have shown but there's a huge um a huge portion of the project are these incredible landscapes and sort of observational details that you made throughout the park and Mm -hmm. when I've heard you talk about the work before you've talked about music being almost this sidekick I'd like to say in your in your creation because you spent a lot of time sort of paused shooting long exposures of these landscapes and and listening to um I think you said you were listening to Kanye Sunday Service and Portishead (laughs) yeah yeah which I was so thrilled to hear somebody listens to Portishead because I grew up with them as like our local band. Oh, and really? So, okay. Yeah. So I saw them a lot because obviously they played their home turf. And so oh, I was so thrilled. Jealous. I was thrilled to hear somebody sort of talk about them. I've not heard anybody talk about them in such a long time. But <laughs> it's it's so funny because I can just imagine that music set against your work. Yeah, yeah. It got me thinking like, how much is music an influence on you as well? And I guess in particular, how does music, how did music operate in Langer for you? See, I feel like if I was good at an instrument, I would have become a musician of some sort. Like I love music so much. I listen to music all the time. If I wasn't talking to you right now, I'd be listening to something. And I, that's just kind of how I think to put work together. I try to go by the tone of music and the pace of music and just, yeah, that's how I work. When I was going through the park, I was always listening to the Kaya West Sunday service gospel music. I was listening to third by Portishead, head, like maybe a hundred times I've listened more than a hundred times I've listened to that. So I think that's just how I, I like the work to be set to music. Like you said, you can see it being set to that. And I, I even thought like, Oh, if I have an exhibition of this, I would love to, play Portishead head or play something while people walk through the gallery like I don't know it just it fits so well for me with music yeah it really does and I don't think you can say that about all photography but there's definitely a synergy with other creative disciplines with your work whether it's language or poetry or music it feels like they're all in sort of community together yeah so I wanted to hear a little bit about the process of putting the book together because that can be quite intense and have so many iterations I wondered if you, what you discovered um, through being in dialogue with your publisher about the project that you maybe didn't realize when you were making it. 
Um, the, we kind of going over the images and trying to put together a sequence. It, I wouldn't say it was a challenge because I feel like the day I would find someone for a portrait, I would also be trying to find an image, whether it be a landscape image or something else that would fit with that portrait in my head. Even though I didn't get developed yet, I would go, I would say, let's say I photograph someone. I would be like, okay, let's see if I can find something in the park now that would fit what I just saw with that person. So a lot of the images, not all of them, not all the sequences, but a lot of them were already paired in my head. And I already kind of put together a little PDF document of them. And then we kind of worked with that to figure it out, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's really interesting that you already had those pairings in mind. Yeah, there was a few that I'd missed and then we put together I was like, oh, this is amazing. But there were still some that I was like, oh yeah, this is this is how this is going to go. These flow really well together. The, the stillness in this one reflects the, the darkness in this one. Like it's just, I feel like it's not, it's not too obvious, but at the same time, it, it's intuitive. Do you enjoy shooting landscapes? Is it an, an important process for you? Oh yeah, it's probably my favorite thing to photograph, honestly. I love like if I go on hikes, which I do pretty frequently now, I'll always bring a camera and I'll have friends mad at me because I'm stopping every second trying to photograph (laughs) how the light's hitting this tree or something like that. I mean, they really are very striking. They're almost in motion, which I really like. You're listening to The Messy Truth, conversations on photography. While you've been shooting for several years, it feels like in a relatively short amount of time, you've really crafted this distinct visual language. And I'm interested in, you know, we were talking earlier about your theory about photography and this sort of communal building of it, of, mm-hmm. of the medium. And I wondered who you think about your work being in dialogue with at the moment. I w- I'm not sure who I would say I'm in dialogue with at the moment. I know who inspired me greatly and the photographers I looked at and tried to not copy, but go in the direction they're going and speak the language they're speaking with their work. But I'm not sure who I would say I'm in dialogue with currently. The people I looked at were are so they're they're, they're like such giants that I would I can't even say that I'm in dialogue. <laughs> with. I, I I would feel so crazy saying, "Oh yes, I'm my work's in dialogue with Dorothy Lang and fair enough, no, fair enough. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> Do you feel like you're mostly in dialogue with established photographers rather than other photographers of your generation? I w- I would say so. That's that's kind of the work that I've been looking at and trying to work off of and that's been so inspiring to me. I don't, this is going to sound bad, but I don't really, I haven't really paid attention to much photography that's being done now. I don't know. I feel like I'm still so behind. Like I'm, I'm still learning. I didn't go to school for it. Like I said, so I'm still trying to find the tradition and follow along. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still in the nineties or the eighties. I'm not, I'm not here yet. <laughs> I didn't make it all the way here yet. But in some ways, I think that's really great because I think while, you know, some people can find it quite generative being in dialogue with their peers, other people find it really limiting uh, Mm. or distracting. So I think it's really interesting that kind of that's where you're positioning yourself now in terms of looking at those decades. I wanted to ask you about your commercial and editorial work, because that's been something that's been going on for a while as well. And I was curious how you feel about moving between sort of the fine art space and the commercial space and how that, how you think about your practice in those different contexts. 
Yeah. So I haven't done an extensive amount of commercial work yet, but the stuff that I have done commercially has kind of been in the same vein as the work that I'm, I just do personally, where I've done some things for Mark Jacobs, where it's either images for the, the show fittings or images during the show. And it always, I always got to do kind of my own thing. I didn't have to follow any restrictions or you have to shoot digitally. You have to do this. Like it was just, I'm just in the background kind of, or just an invisible photographer. So I got to do what I wanted to do. And for editorial, it's kind of the same thing where I recently just finished a commission for the financial times and it was going to Western Michigan to photograph a community. And it was just black and white portraits and images of the landscape in the community. It's, I've kind of been lucky enough to just do what I've been wanting to do. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's incredible, and and not actually that common. It's something that I think we're moving towards more, but I think yeah. most people find that they're compromising quite quickly. So that's amazing to hear. Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't be the. I wouldn't need to compromise much because I don't know. Well, maybe I would, but if the it was like a crazy budget or something. But right now, I haven't been offered anything too high. So I'm like, ah, if, if it's not something I don't want to do, I just won't do it. I'm fine. <laughs> I've loved seeing your portraiture work and how that's evolved as you've collaborated with different publications, because you have really managed to kind of hold on to that essence that's in your personal work. Yeah, that's what that's what I try to do. I'm going to try to keep it like that for as long as I can anyway. And in terms of fashion, I saw this great um, editorial you did for Love magazine recently. Uh I wondered, um, you know, you mentioned working with Mark Jacobs. I wondered what interests you about the fashion genre. This one is kind of... I would say kind of separate. Like I just, I'm a big fan of clothes and aesthetics that people decide to present forward. Like the idea of creating a persona and then you just have to put together the costume and then you can be that person is really interesting to me. So when I think of fashion photography, I think of just extending that thought and photographing people as who either they want to be or who they want to be in the moment. So I think the work that I'm making now kind of it works with that because I think a lot of the work I'm doing is more imaginative to begin with so they kind of work together I would say yeah that's interesting I'm curious what photography enables you to do I think photography enables me to it allows kind of for a short-term return to like normative human community because I feel like growing up I was kind of like I said earlier I was kind of alienated And I grew up pretty isolated with just my core circle of friends. And we didn't really go to any places. We'd play computer games and just talk on the phone. We wouldn't really go out and have that kind of life where it's like, oh, yeah, we're just riding bikes or now we're downtown. We're in Brooklyn. I kind of was just in my set spot. And image making has allowed for me to feel kind of at home in the world where I could take a commission or editorial and go to Michigan. I could do something in Florida. I could maybe go overseas one day it's just it yeah it just allows me to feel at home where I'm going and meet these people that are just so generous and they're open to being photographed and these places that are just so beautiful it just all comes together like that yeah I was curious if this interaction with strangers is is a really generative process for you yeah for sure I was just meeting recently I did a commission where it was photographing a lot of portraits of strangers and a lot of older people and just people are so generous 
with their time and their life. Like I could say, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I would love to meet with you for a portrait. It's going to be 30 minutes. And people are just like, oh yeah, let's do it. And they're just down to just sit there for 30 minutes of their time. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's such a small thing. But to me, that's like, wow, like people, you don't know me at all. I've met you for two seconds and you're just down to just exist for me in this moment. You know? Yeah. It's a really powerful gesture, right? Yeah. So just that kind of return to community in a sense is what photography gives me. Okay. I have some quick fire questions for you. Okay. Okay. How do you deal with self-doubt? How do I deal with self-doubt? I feel like I just push through and force myself to keep working and try not to think about it. (laughs) Just put it to the back of my mind. Creatively, what can you not live without? Creatively, I could not live without (sighs) music. That, That would be my answer. Music. This might feel particularly pertinent for you, but how do you cope with the pressure to follow up after one great project finishes? Ooh, so I think I just try not to take in too much praise at a time. So if everyone's like, oh, this work is amazing. This is amazing. I'm just like, okay, people are saying that. And that's great. Thank you so much. I'm, I just don't internalize it and make myself think, oh yeah, I'm such a great photographer. Like, thank you so much for understanding finally. Finally, people are noticing my greatness. Like, no, it's just like, okay, people like this one. That's cool. Hopefully they'll like the next one. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, not taking too much of it on. That's great advice. What does success look like for you? Hmm, Success looks like, to me, having the freedom to do what I want to do and not have to constantly worry about keeping the lights on and the water running. Maybe having some nice furniture, clothes, art supplies, stuff like that. And You've obviously had a really vibrant career, even though you haven't actually been shooting for that long. I wondered if there's anything that you have um, had to unlearn along the way or anything you thought about the industry, which ended up being, you know, completely different to what you imagined. Um, I would say being nice and just being just calm and relaxed goes a long way. There's this, uh, this is Kerouac quote that says, practice kindness all day to everybody and you'll realize you're already in heaven. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Do you think photographs have the power to shift thinking or consciousness? Oh yeah, for sure. I feel like there is like photography is, like I said earlier, there's it's poetry. And I feel like poetry is how humans express our dominion over nature So images and language are linked. Language is what we use to describe images. And the open-ended quality of an image makes it kind of divine. And when people come in contact with that kind of thing, they can be changed forever. I'm curious, what matters more to you, the process of making the work or the final photograph? The process, for sure. For sure. Sometimes the image, it doesn't come out, but, or you you made a mistake and something, something happens. You could, I mix film and... I'll develop something wrong, but I still remember the moment and being in that time. And if it's with a certain person, you remember the intimate exchange, it's usually way more important. And it's not really something that you can always translate, but when it does translate, that's what makes the image so powerful, I think. But sometimes it doesn't always work that way. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was so great to speak to you, Donovan. Yes. Great speaking with you too. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Messy Truth. You can find more information about today's guests in the show notes. Theme music is changed by Judd Greenstein from the album Awake, and design is by Ruby White. 
You can follow updates on the podcast on my Instagram at Jem Fletcher or subscribe to my newsletter at jemfletcher.com. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.